0: with Ali Rizvi and Armin Navabi.
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadist for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi and with me is uh, the great Armin Navabi. Armin, welcome. I mean, welcome. Well, hello. Good to see yeah. you.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you well, for having me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's really good. Okay. We've got Susanna here. We've got Mars. Yeah. on, oh, Let me mute this. Okay. And then, yeah. Sorry about that brief echo. So, yeah. Everybody, uh, this is a, a a topic that's really interesting right now. What's happening? Um. It's Done. unfortunately you've been following the the news in the U.S. and all the stuff that's going on over there. You know, you're not really reading about this a whole lot. Uh. But recently, um. Uh, Emmanuel Macron of France, the president of France, he had uh, a he delivered a speech where he was talking about separatism in France's Muslim community. So he's worrying about the quote ghettoization of uh, the Muslim community in France. France has approximately like nine percent uh, Muslim population uh, there, and um, he called Islam quote a religion that is in crisis all over the world um, end quote. And we're going to get into the speech, the context of it um the backlash to it actually he got a especially strong backlash from uh turkey's uh um uh, the, the leader of turkey is uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan uh and uh yes yeah, so we'll talk about it because there's a little bit more that's been going on between these two leaders um so yeah we're going to get into that this episode and we get into the details of it but uh first just before we do that i wanted to have we have a quick housekeeping announcement here that Armin Navabi, Armin Navabi and our secular jihadist Twitter account have both been suspended. So Twitter has suspended um, both of us. It's uh, Obviously, it's frustrating. But Armin, I don't know. Do you want to say anything about it?
2: Um, Jai Shiram? I don't know. No, I- <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that gives you a clue to why it happened. I mean, they're basically. Uh, th- this is another problem with the algorithms uh, for you know Twitter and and uh, Facebook and YouTube as well is that you have these people who mass report. I mean, they have organized uh, scripts. They've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who mass report things, and and they and then these platforms take it down, and the appeal process takes ages. And this has happened over and over again. So. Um, it is something that uh, we have to fix, but this is just, we're going to get back to the topic right now and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a future episode. But if there is anybody out there, if anybody over here is listening uh, who knows anyone who on Twitter or who works at Facebook, uh, who can um, help us out for a situation like this because we anticipate, especially with our new, the last me should have, uh, that we're taking on, um, uh, it would be fantastic if we could actually have Develop some attacks.
2: All right, let's get to the, let's get to the Islam being in crisis at all.
1: Right. So, Armin, this is a speech that uh, was done. Let's see. When was this? This is actually very recent. It's this month. Just a very
2: recent. Yes. Yeah. No. No. So just the, like last. Not, not even a week.
1: Not even a week. Yeah. So, last week. So, you know, France has a very very strong uh, tradition of secularism. They had in 1905. They have this. This this act and in, the, in their uh, constitution they have a, they have a law um, that is that really firmly establishes. Wait, wait, before
2: before you go to the history, let's just like not bury the lead. Like this is the reason why this was extraordinary is because you have um, it's one of the leaders that is a symbol of not you know whether both neither far left or crazy right leaning centrist uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you got like one of the one of the symbols of sane left or sane liberal, liberal. The one of the main symbols of that all of a sudden coming out of like, yeah, we need to cut out we, we need to talk about Islam, <laughs> all right? So the great <laughs> the great thing about that is that what we've seen so far for for a long time is that, again, I know that the policies and the, and the ground is different. But when it comes to symbolism, it seems like you had right-leaning maybe Eastern European uh, leaders or you had far-right leaders from India. And then you have the whole China anti-Muslim, you know, you had the crazy... Far right anti-Muslim bigotry kind of narrative, or people who are just anti-immigration as a whole, um, or stuff like that. And then you had the so-called liberal world coming in and saying, "No, like Islam is great, and yeah, you know, you know, everything is fine. This anything about is anything against Islam is bigotry." And we didn't have like really anything. I mean, we did have some good policies, especially from France, um, but we didn't have any, formal, any form of a leader that a lot of people look up to. And I know a lot of people are also against them, but there's also people who look up to as an alternative to, like, Trump or, you know, other leaders. They We're say, like, the oh, power. this is like it. Yeah, exactly. They say, like, this is a sane, this is like, this is how civilized, this is how the civilized world works. This is how the leadership that we could look up to that is civil, that is responsible, that is nuanced conversations, uh, t- telling people exactly what the problem is. So people look up to that as, especially in the world today where everything seems to go into to crap. Again, I can't say SHIT because we're trying to keep monetized. Uh, but... It seems like people uh, keep remembering Obama, like oh my God, how great things, how people civil and nuance and more. The conversations were a lot better during Obama or stuff, stuff like that. And people look look up to people like Macron as leaders of what things, how great things could be. Again, I'm not yeah. saying whether they're right or wrong because I know a lot of people don't like the yellow jackets and all that stuff. I know, okay, but. Now we have somebody that represents all of that, that people in this world, that the leader seems to go crazy. People look up to uh, my, my as a symbol like, guys, please give us some liberal sanity, okay? Um, and this guy is coming out and openly saying, yeah, Islam is tearing us apart. <laughs> like, like, we have a crisis with Islam, and not just in France, but on a global scale. So this, like, really helps normalize Discussing the problem of Islam, on f- not just among activists, but it actually opens the door for a whole bunch of other leaders to be like, you know, talking about Islam in this way. That's not a, just a, it's not a Trump thing, you know. It's not like a, um um Hungary thing, or it's not oh, like it's not a, a bigger Pol- it's not a Poland. Th- it's not like one of these leaders. It's not like these illiberal. Um, or right wing, right leaning. This is this is a problem, right? So him talking about it so candidly and so directly, ha- I think just even if it doesn't go anywhere, has just normalized and sets a precedent for other, more liberal leaders to be able to address Islam as a, as an issue that we need to talk about. It, it just it just is it's just so good. I mean, I yeah, think I- just doing that speech on its own has. M- made us go years ahead in, like, just talking about it. Like, I think that that one speech by Macron has done years' worth of activism in normalizing yeah. this discussion. But and
1: ahead. I want to add to it, like, I, I think the way that he did it was also great. First of all, he didn't pull any punches. He said, quote, so I'll, I'll read out some quotes of, from what he said. He described Islam as, quote, a religion that is in crisis all over the world today. Right, which is absolutely true. I mean, that's something that we've been talking about a lot. We come from parts of the world. We featured people from different parts of the world who have been, you know, evidence of that, like whether it's we've talked about polls and, and all kinds of data showing exactly what he's saying. Um, he talked about uh, that Islam was in crisis due to, quote, an extreme hardening of positions. Um, he talked about Islamic separatism uh, in France. And he also said Islam in France must be freed from foreign influence. So he doesn't have a problem. He wants Islam, Muslims, and French to be French just like anybody else and to be Muslims as well. But he does not like the foreign influence that's coming in uh, that is trying to corrupt it. Moreover, what he said was, quote, secularism is a cement of a united France. Let us not fall into the trap laid by extremists who aim to stigmatize all Muslims. And this to me is really important because he is making that distinction that we've talked about here, like probably millions of times, is that uh, criticizing Islam and seeing the problems with Islamic ideology is not the aim of that. Like when we do that, that's not to stigmatize all Muslims. He's making a distinction between Muslims as as people, as a community, versus Islam, right? And the people who actually really take it seriously.
2: To be fair, I would I would still criticize him. I mean, this me being too picky, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't expect him to ever say that. But obviously, he kept on saying radical Islam or political Islam. By the way, Ali, I'm getting reduce my volume a little bit, Ali. Um, Mm -hmm. He. he you know obviously, if we were talking about it we I wouldn't say radical Islam, I wouldn't say political Islam, I would just say islam, right, yeah, but again i that would that's too high of an expectation for me uh, for of me for a leader like that to be able to come and say like, oh, the problem is Islam, okay, so that's to me being too picky, so I'm not gonna do that, but yeah, so he did, and to me it seemed like his main concern i ali, I'm still getting echo reduce my can you reduce my volume i can there? i mean
1: even if I mute it, I think the echo is unrelated to that,
2: all right no. Um, no, I don't think so, but it's okay um i my, the impression I get is that uh, the issue is like there seems to be two frances right now, right? like it seems like to be a growing um again i've been I've been to france uh, i think three times three times, and my last visit. Was very. I noticed that things are changing compared to the first two, right? Um, and I've been to the Muslim areas of France as well, and it just seems like you're entering a different country, right? And I understand that it's only eight to nine percent of the population, uh, but this is like uh, an eight to nine percent of the population that has comp- very different values from the rest of society, and you you don't get that impression uh, of Muslims in, in United States and Canada, right? Uh, the Muslims in the United States and Canada, again, not all. I'm not generalizing, but more Muslims in United States and Canada feel like they're American or they're Canadian. Uh, and they want to be American. They want to be Canadian. Uh, they, you know, But uh, there's a higher percentage of uh, Muslims in UK and especially in France that I feel like they just don't see as this is their country. Uh, this is not a country for them. They don't feel French. And they ha- they feel like their country is based on – a. it's not their country, but this country that they're in. Uh, even though they're born there and they're raised there, they feel like this is their foreign land, and they're uh, different. They're different kind of citizens, and they uh, abide by a completely different set of values compared to what is what this country that they're in values, right? And it's basically it's, it seems like a. Um, separatist movement insists, in and that is exactly what he called it, and is what he what Macron is worried about, right? Yeah, and this is not, and so it's not just about foreign influence, it's about the the, the level of segregation that exists between Muslims and France and compared to the rest of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants to address that. And one thing that he, for example, one thing he wants to touch on is like homeschooling. Like, he thinks he, you know, these, um, you know, he says like these are our citizens, like, he doesn't want to alienate these people he doesn't want to push them aside as others he wants to include them in these are not you know it's not about immigration it's also these are people that are born in france and what he wants is what he wants them to feel like they're part of this country that they are that uh that they integrate with the rest of society and these you know these kids that are being born of a muslim fa- people he doesn't want them to be raised in this isolated communities in bubbles completely separate from the values that made france a better country compared to other countries and he wants to see how he could like save these uh, baby french uh, people you know tiny french <laughs> people from from muslim i don't want to <laughs> call them baby like, like these are our tiny citizens french people <laughs> yeah because I because I don't want to call them baby muslims right because they're not muslims they're just born like these are like he's like guys these are our citizens you can't just isolate them you know you just because they came out of your body that doesn't mean how you own them right this is our citizens and they need to you you know you can't isolate them from the rest of France and we need to so he's what he's trying to do is like limit homeschooling right because yeah. he's noticing that he that they're being raised in tiny bubbles and they're being they're not being exposed to the va- the values that the rest of society has and again so here's another thing I want to point out to point to is that if you look at uh, yeah so first of all I just want to finish that thought he's like these are French citizens right and you cannot you know if you don't avoid you know, exclude them from learning the things that they need to learn, this is a disservice to our to the citizens that we need to protect, right? This is how I see it, right? Um, I think the government has a, comp- a responsibility to making sure that... Uh, just because you're a parent, that doesn't mean that you could... Um, excludes certain important teachings, uh, important information uh, that, you're, that makes your chi- a child be able to function better in the society, right? You don't have every right to your child, right? This, the government is responsible for stepping in and making sure that they have the information they need to become um, a healthy part of the society, right? Uh, a functioning part of a healthy society. Um, but... Um, Yeah, go on, Ali. I wanted to, you wanted to say something?
1: Yeah. uh, So I wanted to actually talk about, put some quotes to what you said um, based on.
2: okay. So before, really quickly, I'm going to forget this if I don't say it. Oh, yeah. So I also want to point out that I I, I consume a lot of, can you mute yourself because I'm hearing echo. Uh, I hear a lot, I consume a lot of like far right content creators and also for, um, you know, more wokey type content creators, and I always always notice that they're looking at the same event and they keep uh, interpreting it in completely different ways, right? Uh, and they all exaggerate, right? So one thing I notice from the far right people is that they keep they they keep thinking like, oh yeah, like Europe has fallen, right? These are Sharia countries now, like this is like Islam is going to take over France and. Islam is going to take over the UK. They're going to be like, they're going to have, you know, the Islamic flag flying over the, you know, they just, and it's, so those exaggerations exist. And unfortunately, because they exaggerate that um, and people see that and then they go look at actual data and see like, yeah, they're just like, the pers- the numbers don't support that. Then they think that any concern that people like me or you have, Ali, they must be unjustified because they've seen the far right exaggeration and they think like, oh, you guys are just one of them, right? Uh, but if you actually look at the real numbers, I mean, eight to eight to nine percent, and even lower than that, um, that's a huge. That's huge. Like, it, it doesn't have to be as ba- as bad as these far right people make it seem like to be. Uh, but even, I mean, even five percent, uh, these people are citizens and they can vote, right? And they have. Comp- and because they're segregated, like they're not like the Muslims in Canada and US, right? A lot of them, you know, at least you know they do. They are they are a lot more homophobic. They are very misogynistic. Uh, they are anti secularism. They are, they have views and against free speech, right? And even a five percent. Even a five percent difference. These, you know, how do you think elections work? Elections work on sometimes one or two, three, two, one, two, three percent differences, right? And again, if it's eight percent now, and I, I'm not going to exaggerate like the far right people, and I'm going to say like, oh, it's going to be like one day they're going to have Sharia ruling over France or anything like that. But if it gets to like nine percent, you know, ten percent, these absolutely changes. The values of the country, if these people, when when these people can vote, right? Of course, ten percent is going to make a huge difference in the direction, the values that France is going to celebrate as a country and push for in a country. Of course, like I mean, well, even one or two percent can make a huge difference. So this is a th- this is a major threat to a country that is the birthplace of Enlightenment values, the birthplace, the country that is the birthplace of Enlightenment value that has made the whole world. Um, a better place because of the popularization of these ideas has now um, up to eight percent of its population um, say, living in isolation and celebrating ideas that is in, in direct opposition to to the ideas that this country is responsible for. And if that is if if that is not a concern, if you think like that is not a concern, I don't know what else to tell you. But go on, Ellie.
1: Yeah. So. Um- you know, there, there's certain other things that you said. So a couple of things Armin uh, talked about is about the, uh, the kids who are being homeschooled. So they're currently there are about 50,000 children in France who are educated at home. Okay, And so many of these are, are, are people of minority faiths like Islam and so on. So what um, Macron is going to do is he is going to be requiring them to attend school with their fellow students. Um, he is going to be stressing the importance of schools, instilling secular values in young people. Right, in public schools, and and the government would also require private schools to agree to teach them. Um, so a lot of this has to do with the funding, foreign funding of of mosques, and the kind of things that are being taught in schools, as Armin talked about. Um, the other thing that he acknowledged, and this is actually a really big thing for a, uh, a liberal, generally, I mean, he's a center-left kind of guy. Um, he's, uh, you know, for, for someone like this to acknowledge, is this idea of, uh, I, I guess you would call it Uh, integration or what they call um, diversity versus assimilation, right, where he's talking about how it's important uh, for uh, communities to integrate, like especially with these kids, right, that are growing up in France. So, uh, And he accepted responsibility for it. So he said that the French state was partly responsible for the, quote, ghettoization of communities. And this exact word, the ghettoization of ethnic communities, is something that I mean you'll find it in my book you know it's something that armin and i and many of us have been talking about for years and years and years as as something this was our main critique of uh of the whole multiculturalism thing i mean there are many good things about multiculturalism but this is one of the things that is actually objectively bad okay so it it causes a lot of problems downstream and and many immigrants actually agree with this They, they don't like these sort of ethnic ghettos that that are formed in these new immigrant communities so yeah, the ghettoization, so he acknowledged this, and he actually acknowledged the French responsibility, saying that, um, that non-secular organizations actually ended up stepping in, like religious organizations set up this, uh, they stepped in uh, to make up for the failings of France's integration policy. So he said, quote, where we stepped away, they stepped in. And this is – to me, at least, Armin, this is music to my ears because I don't know how many times we've written about this in the last 10, 15 years. I don't know how many times we've talked about it, how this has been a, been a huge issue. So here, to hear so, – I mean, you know, you, you hear like far-right people speaking to their echo chambers about this, right, and people resist it. Mm-hmm. But to have somebody like Macron, who, by the way, is like BFFs with Obama, um, yeah. who's one of these guys, uh, to come up and, and acknowledge these issues – the fact that, you know, liberal people, their failure to address these issues honestly from a position of, of um, uh, you know, of outreach and from a good faith position has allowed, uh, you know, far right communities, ultra religious communities to come in and, and try to hijack this issue and co-opt it and... and uh, a step in and do that from a position of xenophobia bigotry from you know extremism like religious extremism and so on and then finally one more thing armin
2: hmm.
1: he also uh acknowledged in the same speech that he talked about france's colonial past so this is a big thing for liberals right because one of the things that drives them to just disproportionately protect minority communities that uh, who, with values that are actually antithetical to what they believe. One of the reasons they protected is because of this colonial guilt. So he did acknowledge it. So he actually said that you know the colonial past France had, uh, including like its colonization of Algeria. Um, he said it quote left scars on uh, the society. And he said again quote we have un- not we have not unpacked our past. We have grandparents who have passed their scars onto their children. Uh, end quote. So, what, one of the beautiful things about the speech is not only did he acknowledge head-on the problem about Islam and the crisis that it has, you know, all over the world, and he was honest about it, but he also talked about all of the different issues and all of the other factors that also go into it, that go into this, including things that he feels that France is partly responsible for, and that's very important because you know when you acknowledge you're responsible for something. That's thing that you can address. That's something you can do something about. So again, his initiative with what he wants to do with schools and education, his initiative, what he wants to do with cracking down on funding uh, from, you know, like foreign funding for mosques and things like that in, in France. All of this is uh, is part of the big story. So it was, I think, it was a very well thought out, you know, very well intentioned uh, speech that came from a place of good faith. Now that there are political aspects of this too but you know we'll get into that next but uh, that's kind of the way i look at it so i i I was actually very encouraged with uh the way that he spoke about it it really was something that you know we'd been wanting to hear from uh, a good center-left leader uh, for a very long time
2: uh one thing that um i've been saying and i think ali has been agreeing is uh, the best way to uh, fight islam is to befriend muslims right um and the more you demonize muslims the more you isolate them the more you ostracize them and the more you oppress them you're basically pushing them into creating their own communities and for them to become more and more radicalized, and for them to be more isolated, uh, to be exposed from uh, ideas that actually could make them uh, live better lives, Uh, for them to go back to um, relying more on Islam and rely more on an Islamic community rather than uh, everyone as a whole. And, you know, um, accept, but befriending them and welcoming them into society will expose them to uh, ideas superior to Islam. And even if they don't leave Islam, they will become less influenced by Islam. Right. And I think this whole, um, you know, Macron even acknowledging that this is a, you know, this is a failure, uh, which is something that, by the way, I watch also a lot of Islamic channels um, and their reviews on this um they don't highlight the part these parts right they don't highlight Macron saying that we there's mistakes that we've made like nope they don't highlight that uh they don't highlight the parts that he says that um we shouldn't be demonizing muslims or that this is like the radicals are like a minority part of the muslim community no because they want to also demonize Macron for even daring to say anything against islam um, so when they review when they review this news, uh, they were very cl- very careful not to mention any parts that makes them that make him um, that might make him look good to their Muslim audience. So that was kind of slimy in my opinion. Um, yeah. So uh, and another thing is that um, you know one thing Ali mentioned with regards to the mo- uh, foreign money coming in, um, and this is an issue that really needs to be addressed, right? Because um, and the thing is needs I don't know what the solution to this is because the political like countries like Iran uh, Germany no sorry I- Iran in um, Canada United States Iran Iran's influence in Canada United States and in Germany uh, or in France or Turkey especially in Germany okay so the countries like Iran Turkey uh, Saudi Arabia and now or even Malaysia now um, what they do is they spend a lot of money. Uh, to try to get political influence in these other countries, but but a lot of that would not be legal, right? Um, But the way to do that is to, instead of opening political institutions or organizations, uh, you make religious ones. Uh, Because if you have, like, for example, Iran um, has managed to um, create a lot of hubs and, you know, centers of influence in a lot of Western European and North American countries by creating, you know, schools in Shia Islam or like, um, you know, places that, you know, for celebrating Hussein. And there is no way under the laws to stop that because they're supposed to be, Uh, absolute uh, freedom of religious expression, right? So this is a very easy way for them to be like, well, this is not political. This is just like, you know, so for example, most of the mosques in Germany are, you know, from Turkey. Um, And, you know, Saudi Arabia can keep... um, I mean, Saudi Arabia is like much less... than Turkey is like stepping in where Saudi Arabia failed. But again, you could build mosques, you could build madrasas, and all of these would be completely religious. So these would be used for political... Um, you know political reasons but on the face of it they're purely religious organizations right so but the thing is that you know somebody like macron is saying like you, you know you, we see what you're doing like this cannot i mean you can pretend that this is just religion but you wouldn't be funding all these centers in, <laughs> in western europe and north america only for spreading religion i mean come on um but i don't exactly know how you can stop that because again um, you don't even have to have any political discussion for, for you to be able to create a huge base that is loyal to Iran's center, or center influence or Turkey's influence just by funding religious organizations, even though if you don't give them any political agenda, I mean, just, r- people's religious alle- allegiances will just automatically, a lot of times again, not all, but match with their political allegiances. So you don't even have to tell them what political, uh, how, who they need to be politically allied to. Uh, if you're Shia uh, and you're being funded from Iran to build Shia centers, you know, they're, you know, you're just pushing for that, even without any direct messaging from Tehran telling you that you need to be loyal to Vilayat Afaqi, to the Mullahs in Tehran. You're just going to get that. You're just gonna get that. You're gonna get that loyalty. You're gonna get that influence, even without any smoking gun that actually could uh, t- direct these people to getting any orders from Tehran. Right. Same thing with Turkey. Same thing with other uh, foreign governments. So I I don't exactly know how you could stop that because again, they don't have to have any any of these discussions. Don't have to be political. So w- what would you do to stop that? I don't. Know. Ali, do you have any solution to that? Because I didn't see anything in his speech. He said that he just mentioned that this is a concern, but he didn't offer any solutions. What do you think? You're muted.
1: I don't know. I kind of agree with you on this. So I'm kind All of saying right. agree with everything. But... Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so we, we go on. I, I have other no, things no, to say, I, but I, you I, could
1: go No, if you, if you have something to say, say it. I, I actually want to move on to Erdogan. Turkey.
2: Uh, yeah. To him, okay. Yeah. So one last thing before we move to Turkey is one thing we need to be concerned about is not let the uh, right, you know, the far right. Again, I, 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 I'm not, I don't want to use the far right and right interchangeably. They're very, 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 very different. OK, so please, like if it's if I ever come across like I'm using far right and right wing differently, even though I don't I'm not um, I'm not right wing. But I do not see right leaning people as crazy as far right leaning people, okay, like there's a lot of sane people on right um just the same way the same thing I do with the left, I do not like a lot of people on the right kinda use uh, woke and left leaning interchangeably, but again, that's very different as well so but when it comes to um far right people let's say, or yeah, I don't know the, what the best terminology is for this right now, but Let's say for far right people, right? A lot of them might say, "Look at Macron right now, and we shouldn't let them do this." Okay? They might come out and say that, "Look, see, we were right, and you guys are only realizing this, right?" And we shouldn't let them uh, get that narrative because this is completely different. Okay? Um, This is an ideological battle, and I like that Macron is keeping it an ideological battle. It's this is not an anti-Muslim fight that Macron is fighting. This is actually a pro-Muslim. This is, you know, the. You, this is in the interest of the Muslim community. I mean, in Muslims uh, in France will have better lives if they get integrated with the rest of society, if they're not isolated, uh, if they uh, learn to accept some of the values uh, that is normal in France, right? Um, they will get to be able to participate in the economy a lot easier. Uh, they get to be able to enjoy, uh, the, you know, be close to all of France, not just Muslim France, right? Um, This will improve not just their lives, but the lives of their children. Their children will grow uh, with the right skill sets and with the right social skills to be able to function better in in France, okay? So this is not an anti-Muslim position. Uh, So if the far-right people want to come and say, steal this narrative, or like I, I, you know, I noticed like some Hindutva people saying, like, see this is this is why this is what India is doing right. So uh, France is like way behind Hindutva. Like, no, this is completely this is not at all the same, right? This is not just for the sake of France, but this is also for the sake of uh, Muslim French people, right? Um and this is um, not at all not at all an anti Muslim position. This is an uh, ideological battle. Uh, and this is not at all what Hindutva is doing. And this is not at all what the anti-Muslim bigots are pushing for. So but It's the just, exact opposite of religious nationalism.
1: Opposite. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's the exact it's opposite. Not this, is, religion. this is secularism, not, not, not fighting Islam with something, not fighting one bad idea with another bad idea, right? Um, so if you do notice them saying like, okay, so this shows that we were right, uh, do not let them get away with that narrative. But go on Ali, you want to move to Turkey?
1: Let me unmute. Okay, yeah, and then yeah. The, so I want to talk about. So so what happened is that this actually got a very strong response from uh, Turkey, and I think really just Tur- I I don't think it was. It seems like there was a backlash. There were probably some backlash. There was some backlash from Muslims uh, everywhere, but it really seems like uh, Erdogan was the main guy who really spoke up about this. That's what really made the headlines. Um, And he just went completely hyperbolic on this. And I think there's, and we're going to talk about the reason for it. It's probably more political. Um, They've been at loggerheads, Erdogan and and Macron, for quite a while now. It's for several months. And we'll get into some of those issues. But um, so this is what he said. He called these comments about, that, that Macron made about this, you know, Islam being in a crisis all over the world as, quote, open provocation okay so when uh, macron was saying you know we want to liberate uh, islam in france from foreign influences which is actually a really good phrase like he's actually talking about liberating islam like, you know, we want to free Islam from these foreign influences that are corrupting it. I mean, it's a so it's it's I mean,
2: I don't actually I don't like that. But again, I'm not going to be picky because this is this is better than what we have ever gotten for for a very long time. But I could be picky about these words like liberate Islam for it to be corrupted. Islam is the corrupting agent. But again, I'm not going to be that nitpicky about it. This is good.
1: That's us. So, you know, when we talk on the podcast and when we're having a debate or whatever, we're going to speak in these terms. But when you're a politician, right, and and you want to uh, fight this issue, then this is this is actually the way to go. So um, so Erdogan, you know, when he he said this, he said that uh, he said, quote, who are you to talk about the structuring of Islam? Um, He called him impertinent. Uh, He said that uh, we expect Macron. To pay more attention when talking about issues that he is ignorant about, he said that we want that we expect him to act as a responsible statesman rather than act like a colonial governor. So there has been a bit of a, a a thing that Erdogan has had you know, had, you know in for uh, uh, Macron for a while, and it's due to a few other reasons too. So there is a sort of a territorial uh, issue that they're having over the waters, and you know uh between greece between athens and ankara like between turkey and greece they've been fighting over the water over there about property because you know uh turkey has been drilling there for gas right underwater and uh you know greece has been trying to fight back and france has been supporting greece uh so there has been this dispute over there so they've been fighting about that since i don't know a year a little bit more um there's also the recent uh you know, fighting, and I mean, it's been going on for a while. The conflict between Azerbaijan and and Armenia. Uh, so, uh, you know, Armenia and Azerbaijan have been kind of fighting with each other for a while. Azerbaijan is a is a uh, majority Shia Muslim country that is allied with Turkey. You know, it's officially secular, uh, and uh, Turkey has been supporting Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan has a small community of Armenians uh, in that uh, what's that disputed area called, Armen? But uh, yeah yeah,
2: cool. for, yeah, yeah. yeah but by the way this whole thing is the uh, is w- between Azerbaijan and Afghanistan is is from my perspective one aspect of it is very bizarre uh, is because for the first time the, in my life I think yeah in my life yes because before my life this this uh, um Iran and Israel are on the same side <laughs> of this Iran and israel are on the same side of the com, of the com, of this is the first conflict since since my birth that Israel and Iran understand under, supporting, so supporting the same side they're just supporting the same same side of the conflict but go on
1: so they're supporting Azerbaijan and Turkey
2: yep Turkey Iran and Israel are on the same side of this conflict
1: why is Israel on the uh, Azerbaijan side
2: well, Israel has been trying to – well, it goes back to Iran. It always goes back to Iran. So the, suspect, the suspicion is that um, you know, other than – I think the main groups after the Kurds in Iran that are separatists are the Turks, right? Huh? So these are the Azeris. Right, And we have, like, so Azerbaijan is a country, but there's also a province in Iran called Azerbaijan, which was, like, a very strategic mistake for you to name that Azerbaijan, that province Azerbaijan, after the country that is neighboring to it, Um, right? So... That just really encourages a lot more separatist movements. Um, But I think Israel is very interested in encouraging separatist movements in Iran. And a lot of Azeris in Iran see themselves as part of Azerbaijan as a country rather than Iran. And they are pushing for separating from Iran. So the reason I think, again, you correct me if I'm wrong, I think the reason why... Israel is supporting Azerbaijan is the exact opposite reason why Iran is supporting Azerbaijan, right? <laughs> because Iran, historically, Iran was, uh, is on an aminous side, right? So this is this was bizarre for a lot of people. A lot of analysts, even in Iran, were like, what the hell is going on? Why is Iran switching sides? I think Iran is becoming weaker in controlling its separatist movements. And I think they're trying to appease people now instead of, like, forcing them to stop, right? So if Iran is, like, supporting Azerbaijan makes a lot of Azeris in Iran support, like, me be a little bit more less aggressive against Iran's government, right? Because Mm -hmm. they see, like, oh, wow, the Iran's government is on the right side of this, right? So I think, like, Iran is, like, kind of... Iran's government is kind of scared into making the Azeris even more angry than they are right now. So I think that's the... Ca- political calculus, and not to encourage more separat. So basically, Israel is supporting Azerbaijan to maybe use the separatists in Iran to to push back against Iran, and Iran is supporting Azerbaijan to calm them down <laughs> a bit, to like tell them to be like, look, look, guys, we're on the right side. Please, like, don't
1: don't so, attack. Uh, I, I, Azerbaijan is actually overwhelmingly uh, Shia, right? Shia majority.
2: I think so. Yeah. Let me. But
1: are they point. are they Shia or?
2: Um, Yeah, I think so. Hold on, I'm not sure. Interesting.
1: Okay, so um, yeah, because I actually don't know that much uh, about it about the demographics. Um, Um, but anyway, yeah. So look that up. Yeah, three
2: fifth. Yeah, three fifth is Shia, one third is Sunni. But again, that's not. Yeah, so that would make a lot of people might think that, and that would make them a natural ally to Iran. But um blood is thicker than water, and sometimes ethnicity is becomes more of an issue than religion.
1: It seems in 2012, uh, Israel was actually granted access to air bases in Azerbaijan um, to potentially yes. use against Iran's nuclear program. I don't okay, so there you yeah. go. This is this is that region. Okay, so we, we yeah. don't know. If this is another whole whole the whole issue over this. So there's should a we, there's a.
2: Should we do an episode on that or no? Like yeah. Well, I, let I, us know. I, let us know if you want us to do an episode on
1: that. But go yeah, on. for me personally, this is absolutely fascinating. But it's also new to me. It's something that I didn't really focus on a whole lot before. So I don't know how many people would generally be interested in it. But I I would be happy to do it. I, I'm we, totally down.
2: We, with we, it. Alex, we're so. gonna address that question um, soon. But go on, Ellie.
1: Yeah, so I mean, basically that, there's that separatist region in, in Azerbaijan called Nagorno-Karabakh, right? So, and this is the place where there's a small group of Armenians and they have been wanting to secede and they've been wanting to um, – and, and, and that really is the, the focus of the conflict. And the, most recently uh, what happened was France has accused uh, Erdogan of uh, funneling uh, jihadists from Syria through Turkey – uh, into Azerbaijan to fight against Armenia, and you know France is on the side of Armenia, and you know Turkey is on the side of Azerbaijan. So, so the, there's been that thing going on between them. There's been but the territorial waters um, secretly,
2: secretly without officially saying it. Both Iran, Iran's government, and Turkey see Azerba- current Azerbaijan today as part of their future borders, empires. Yeah. Right? So both Iranian nationalists and the Iranian government, who don't see too eye to eye, right now they see eye to eye in this. Like they say, one day, Azer- current Azerbaijan is going to be part of Iran. And Turkey also. Turkey as well, like, no, these are, these are Turks. These are our people. We're going to, <laughs> dude, there's Turks that think they're going to one day liberate Tabriz from Iran. And T- Tabriz is going to be part of Turkey one day. That's what they think. Yeah. Fascinating. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. But go on.
1: Yeah, so I mean that's basically it. So there's a background. There's a political background. These guys have been like trading barbs for a little while uh, with each other. So this was a great opportunity for you know Erdogan to try and see if he can unite the Muslim world against uh, you know Emmanuel Macron and, and paint him as some sort of like serious Islamophobe. But it doesn't seem to really be catching ground. And I think that that's kind of what I want to talk about next with you, Armin, is that. So, you know, we had the Charlie Hebdo attacks in 2015. That was obviously brutal. Uh, then, you know, the trial happened and there was this guy, the Pakistani guy, went out and stabbed two people. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of things have changed. I mean, the focus isn't really that much on it. I mean, people have become very desensitized and they've kind of normalized uh, a lot of the blasphemy against Islam because it's become so ubiquitous around the world. Right. And especially on the internet and all these ex-Muslim communities and, uh, you know, people and and the rise of the far right. I mean, the criticizing Islam and and everything has become very, very um, mainstream compared to what it was like just literally five to 15 years ago
2: i like criticizing Hinduism, apparently. Yeah, like, that's the next I, nut like, we got to crack. I don't, I don't lose my accounts for criticizing Islam anymore. I lose my accounts for <laughs> for criticizing Hinduism. Yeah. So this is a we need to move forward. We need to move against that, normalize that. That's Eastward. Next. Yes, yes.
1: Eastward um, and back in time.
2: But but a lot of Muslims are frustrated by this, by the way. And this is where Turkey steps in because Turkey thinks like the Muslim like is trying to show that it's
1: the representative.
2: It, it, yeah, it's a new defender of Islam and Muslims mm. across, not, not in Turkey, but globally. Yeah. Right? So, um, and again, this is exactly, by the way, can you, I'm hearing a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but so, t- Turkey wants to step in where Saudi Arabia was supposed to be. Like, I mean, Saudi Arabia had such an easy case, right? Like, we're the guardians of the um, two holy cities. Medina and Mecca, uh, where are the country, the birthplace of Muhammad. I mean, I mean, if we're not the leaders of Islam, the Sunni world, who else? So it was supposed to be the Saudi Arabia being ever since nineteen seventy nine Islamic Revolution. It was supposed to be Saudi Arabia the leading the leader of the Sunni world, and Iran being the leader of the Shia world, and. It, Iran did a very good job, and I know, again, not all, I know Shias are going to be like, yeah, I mean, no, if the vilayat faqir in Iran doesn't represent us, yeah, 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 yeah. But overall, the Iranian government did a very, very good job at making it uh, seem like, uh, I mean, effectively, politically, they are, um, to a large extent, um, the, the leaders in, in the geopolitics in the Shia world. Again, the, not everybody, but largely so. And Saudi Arabia failed. Saudi Arabia failed. Saudi Arabia tried to export its ideology beyond its border, just like Iran did, and built madrasas all across the world. And what they did backfired, and a lot of all those people that they created, uh, the radicals that they created, now they want to behead the Saudis, right? Um, so they created a Frankenstein monster that is now turning on themselves, right? And they have zero control, zero uh, the 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 dog that they bred, they don't have the leash. That, you know, it just ran over. You know, but the peop- the Shia's that the Shia um, proxies that Iran built across the world, they're very loyal to Tehran, unlike the ones that Saudi Arabia built. And right? and again, the whole Islamic world, they do not. Uh, they do not. The, the Shias in Canada, they look for to Iran for funding. They look to Iran for support, right? But the Sunnis around the world, they do not look to Saudi Arabia. They condemn Saudi Arabia. All right. Um, I mean Saudi Arabia wanted to have its cake and eat it too. It wanted to be like, oh, we're the leader of Muslims around the world. And we also want to be close to the United States. And for a long time, that was their thing. And people were like, what the hell? How could you be close to the United States and think like you're representing the Islamic world? And now they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to be close to Israel as well. So basically that, was, that seemed to be like the end of the pretending of representing the Islamic world when you become buddies, buddies with Israel, right? Um, and then... So when it comes to like issues like China, China like putting more than one million Muslims in concentration camps, uh, a country like Saudi Arabia not only did not go out to say like yeah we condemn this, they sent a congratulation <laughs> letter <laughs> to China for doing such a great job at, at fighting against radicalism. Saudi Arabia, that's supposed to be like the representative of Muslims around the world, congrat officially congratulated China for doing something you know not just commenting like officially letter congratulating China for the great job they're doing in fighting back against radicalism, right? So, you know, Muslims like, yeah, no. Um, I mean, for a long time they were like this, but now it seems like, like Saudi Arabia is not even trying anymore, right? Uh, and that's why Turkey is doing it, having... Turkey was like, we want to be like Iran, but for Sunnis. Uh, and I think Turkey is a bit frustrated that Iran manages to, you know, have such a tight control over Shia influence around the world, but for some reason, Iran is doing going beyond Shias, and it's also doing a great job at controlling Sunni. Uh, you know, having an influence on Sunnis around the world because of the Israel-Palestinian situation. Because all these Arab leaders are not defending Palestine against Israel. In fact, they are becoming closer to Israel, and the Muslims are noticing that it's Iran that is defending. Um, pretending to defend pretending to defend palestinians against israel right um so a lot of sunnis uh, were ho- like becoming allied with iran as well uh and looking for iran's p- uh, political and financial support rather than these arab countries and turkey's like guys if you're if you if you don't want these arab leaders at least look to sunni leaders like you don't have to you know you don't yeah you don't need arab leaders but We are, like, Turkey is at least Sunni, like, Palestine is Sunni, and Turkey is Sunni. Um, We are going to be the the champions, like, they want to, so basically Turkey wants to recreate the Ottoman influence that they had, right, Uh, and become the, you know, how they were the, you know, for the Ottoman Empire was basically the khalifat of the, the main authority over all the Islamic world, not just Turkish people, but all of Islam, right? And they kind of want, they have this vision. They have, By anyway, the way, they're open about this. And this is not something that you have to read in between the lines, right? They want to bring back the Ottoman Empire. So Iran wants to bring back the, uh, not just the... Persian Empire. Yeah, not yeah, but not just the Safavid Empire that was Shia, but also like go back to the Sassanid, like Islamic. This, yeah, the pre-Islamic Sassanid Empire, right? Which, is, but the Turks they think the well, Turkey thinks like this is like this should be easier for us to do because uh, Iran has like this dualism that it has to deal with in a country because the empire uh, the ambitions to in, in, in among Iranians to bring back the empire is pre-Islamic, right? So Iran was it's as it was very powerful when it was the pre Islamic area, right? Some people are trying to sell the Safavid Empire, which was a Shia Empire, uh, to be like, maybe we could use that as to create ambitions of empire among Iranians. But that, not that many people in Iran have this romanticized view of the Safavid dynasty, right? They have this romanticized view of the Sassanid and the Hakamanishi dynasties, right? So that is not at all Islamic. So Iran has this conflict between, okay, if we want to motivate people to feel like it's good for us to go beyond our borders, do we use this nationalistic argument that is pre-Islamic? but so they have they have two different narratives that they have to work with. The, with the Shi'as, they were like, oh, we're basically making people we're we're doing we're inviting people to Islam. That's why we need to go beyond our borders. Um, and these are like uh, uh, Shia religious shrines are outside of Iran's borders in, in Iraq, and basically they have this religious narrative that we need to defend those. But then they the most of the country that is not very religious. They they have to use the pre they they have to tap into their pre-Islamic uh, empire romanticized view of Iran's empire narratives to to try to convince them. So they have to dance, da- da- you know, dance this, uh, you know, play this game with their own population and deal with contradictory narratives. Turkey, Turkey sees like why is Iran doing this so effectively? We don't need to do this. We don't need to play this contradictory narratives because uh, the Ottoman Empire, with the, the time that Turks were at in power. It was when they were Muslim, so it was both an it was both a Turkish Empire and a Muslim Empire. So we could like play into people's nationalist um, desires and show of strength with their religious show of strength at the same time, without seeming like we're you know competing against our own narratives, right? And we can be like we can show to the Muslim worlds that we are on the right side on all these things. We are anti-Israel. We are pro-Palestinian. Um, again, th- that anti-Israeli narrative doesn't work as effectively as in Iran because they still have relationship with Israel, right? But they, they pretend to at least be anti-Israel. We are pro-Israel. Uh, we are pro-Palestine, and we also have taken a strong stance against um, China, right? Um, so, but so they're sa- and also we're we're Sunni, goddammit. They're saying, God, you like most of Muslim world is Sunni, and we're Sunni, so. Where, where Saudi Arabia failed, Turkey wants to come in and say, like, look, we are it. We are your guardians, or Muslims, okay? And they want to increase their influence not just to Turkish, Turkish influence but all Muslim influence. And this whole coming out and speaking against um, Macron is part of that entire thing, right? It's part of that entire narrative yeah. to come and say, like, look, whenever Islam is being attacked, Turkey steps in. Like, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, so I, I think that the, the, the way that this is actually going to happen, what Macron has announced, is putting this into practice uh, is going to be uh, the strengthening, well, they're going to add to the 1905 law. So France has, so their their version of secularism, they call it laïcité. And it's this term that actually has a very strict separation of uh, church and state in France. It's a little uh, different from the one in the U.S. because the U.S. still allows for, they, they have religious freedom is a big deal um, there. But in France, for instance, you know, there was even um, a lot of debate. I mean, they didn't want any uh, sort of religious symbols. So the hijab, the Sikh turban, Christian crosses, stars of David, the kippahs, uh, you know, the, uh, the yarmulkes and everything that the Jews wear, all of these, they wanted it banned from public schools. And that did happen in, in 2004. So uh they have a, a more strict i mean they they're very very strict about this and this is not something that is um done specifically to target islam as it sometimes you know you see the laws in quebec here in canada um where it was actually motivated by the islam thing but that 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 isn't really how it's been historically in france in fact they've probably been more accommodating uh to islam than to the other religions and and now i think bacron is just making the case that no you know, this is just like all the other religions. I mean, they should be treated uh, exactly the same and we have to enforce our secularism. So they're going to be adding to the 1905 law. Uh, Macron is sort of, give, the timeline he's given is in December. There's gonna be a modification to it where they're going to add these initiatives of uh, public schools, well, not just public, but private schools as well. And, you know, bringing a secular education and cracking down on this foreign funding for of, of mosques and, and things like that. So, um, I think it's really interesting. It'll be a good example to see how this turns out. I think it's the right way to do it. Um, you know, as far as the religious symbols and everything. Excuse me, I had to cough. But, but-
2: Let's make sure that we don't go above one hour. So, um, yeah, let's
1: do that. So, let's, we'll just go into, there's a couple of uh, questions and comments here. So, let's just go into that. Let's just do
2: these two. um, I have one more comment to make, but I don't know if I'm going to have time. So, this is the two of the Patreon. By the way, guys, if you're watching this, uh, the audio version of this, um, that means that you're not, you might, I mean, you might be, but if you're not a patron and you want to join these live discussions and get your questions in and watch this live with us, the video version of it, live with us, uh, check out the link uh, in the description. Uh, You could become a patron and then we'll tell you guys when we go live so you could join us live. But Alex is a patron and that's why he's uh, here. And he's the comment. Go on, Ali.
1: He has a comment. And uh, Alex of Oz is saying, neither religion nor anything else should be allowed so much freedom that it subverts secularism or enlightenment tenets. Right.
2: I don't know and- if I agree with that because I think he's responding to the uh, the freedom of religious expression. He, I think I don't know. I think maybe Alex is saying that. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's saying like if it's too so free that other countries are able to bring in political influence, um, then that that is a freedom that should be limited. I don't know. I do think that if you give the government authority to limit people's expression of ideas, uh, you're creating a bigger problem than the one you're solving. But go on, Ellie.
1: Sorry, say that again, Norman. What did
2: you say? I said that if you think the government the authority to limit people's expression of ideas, you're going to create a bigger problem than the one that you're solving.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think it's. Uh, the, uh, I, I think what he's talking about here about uh, being allowed so much freedom. I actually agree with this comment completely. And I'm going to quote somebody who I don't agree with a whole lot all the time, and that's AOC, you know, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I can see you're not going to roll your eyes already, okay? But here goes. This is something that she said. I mean, she said this t- today in the. Uh,
2: no, well, I'm rolling your. I'm not rolling my eyes because of her. I'm rolling my eyes because of you asking if I know who she is.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. So she said, "Quote: The only time religious freedom is invoked is in the name of bigotry and discrimination, and I'm tired of it." Quote. And she said that in, in response to this new Supreme Court justice. Okay, but bigotry,
2: and bigotry should also be free.
1: That's a problem. But this is what, what he's talking about, is that usually when they talk about religious freedom, right? You know, recently the Supreme Court of the U.S. is saying that they made reverse the gay marriage okay. thing, the same-sex marriage thing. They're doing it in the name of religious freedom. Okay, I think that's but, what he's talking about.
2: But bigotry should be allowed if it's coming from a private People. That's the the one the example uh, yeah. that you mentioned. Yeah. No, but, yeah, but you, I, I don't this think comes. It's a... No, but Alex is saying neither religion nor anything else should be allowed so much freedom that it subverts secularism. I mean, if you if your secularism and values is being subverted because people are defeating you in spreading your ideas, the solution is not to silence. No, I, th- I, th- I so think he's me, talking
1: about official secularism, like, you know, what's yeah, established.
2: Let me, let me finish this, but I think the yeah, solution
1: see? should... He just updated it. Okay, okay. M-
2: maybe I'm misunderstanding it. I will highlight the update, but let me just finish one sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, the solution to that should be the sh- solution to the bad idea spreading is for us to do double done and spreading secularism and enlightenment values. So yeah. Alex is clarifying. Alex is saying, I'm not talking about expression of, of ideas, but practice exactly again no again practice even practice if it doesn't violate any like if it's not harming any if it's not a direct violation of rules that are there to avoid harm like if it's a practice – like what kind of practice? It depends on the practice. Like if people praying is a practice, that should be allowed – again, expression of religious views should completely be free. Um, again, so it really depends I mean, on what We, we have one is. minute. We have one okay. minute left, so okay, I okay, want to yeah, get question. into Mars's Mars.
1: question. Yeah, okay. And and again, uh, Alex is saying he's not talking about silencing. I think he's okay, talking okay. about it officially. Okay, so okay, let's okay. look at Mars's question because it's really good. Saying if Biden gets elected with respect to the current times, ideally could he now take a similar stance to Macron – didn't Obama try it once but had to back off because of the blowback? Um, I think that what happened uh, when Macron got elected is in the U.S. You got Trump. Over there, we got Macron. Macron ended up here. Macron is a very similar guy to Obama and Biden. Again, okay, he ended up here, and he ended up making the stance. This would not this did not happen with the whole Trump thing. Um, I think it will take some time. In the U.S., the whole Islam thing is actually a lot more sensitive because of the four years of Trump. So it might take a little bit longer. But I know that they have the same position. They all have the same position. Obama's talked about it. He's talked to journalists like Jeffrey Goldberg about it before, too. So um, they have the same position. It's just a matter of how they bring it out to the public. I hope that they do.
2: Mm. Um, yeah. And also, Alex, thank you for the clarification. Sorry if I misunderstood. I use your comment as an excuse to address something else, even if you meant something else. Um, but thank you for clarifying your views. Um, oh, yeah. But again, I need to respond to this. Sorry. Alex, you say not praying, but e.g. misogyny again i don't think like misogyny if it's not coming from government if it's from misogyny should not be banned right it should be fought against again maybe i'm misunderstanding you and maybe we just disagree which is okay i don't think like we should like if people say like are you free to be like should people be free to be misogynist yeah of course they should. Um, we should there are other ways that we could fight it again i'm not saying even if you mean something else i'm just just using it yeah. as a way to... So I'll to take, yeah. I'll,
1: I'm will take. i going to take Alex's side on this. I think okay. the way that I'm interpreting it, Alex, is I think you're talking about... Uh, Religious freedom, you know, becoming uh, overwhelming uh, the the secularism tenets as they are officially in the government. You know, when that happens mm-hmm. and you have a choice between, okay, we've got religious freedom, should we allow people to discriminate against gays because they're Christians oh, okay. and versus secularism, yeah. where, you know, you're, we shouldn't do that, religion should be secondary, then uh, then it should be the latter. I mean, that, that's the yeah, way yeah. that I'm interpreting what you're saying, but and I, also I may sometime- be wrong too.
2: Sometimes some people when they say not allowed they don't mean like government should stop it sometimes when people say something should not be allowed that means that we should we should not sit idly by and let it just grow like we do need to do activism Against it, right? So I really right. also. Did, so also sometimes, what it means by not allowed? Okay, but again, Alex, um, I I didn't mean. I, I know I might be misrepresenting you. I pro- i probably am, but uh, I use it as an excuse to say a few other things as well. But I really appreciate your uh, comments. especially because of uh, above earlier. You said Bravo, Armin. I don't know what that was in reference to, but I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, I think, the guys, the people in the live chat. Thank you so much for your patronage. You guys are, you know, helping us keep the lights on and making sure that we have these shows coming. So, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. If you're not a patron and if you're not struggling financially, please uh, link in the description. Consider becoming a patron. But if you are struggling financially, do not become a patron. Do yeah. not, do not, do not even consider it. But go so on.
1: We have an upcoming episode coming up on sex and religion, so that's going to be actually really interesting. So- we actually yeah. haven't talked about that. We never actually discussed that. I had a whole episode on, on like sexual repression religion, so I think that's going to be really interesting. All right, everybody, uh, thank okay. you very much. Okay, yeah, Alex, you're confirming you do mean government. Um, so, yeah, thank you, and I completely agree with you. Um, again, free us. Susanna saying, yeah. free the secular jihadist Twitter. They have suspended these accounts, and I don't know why anybody would have a problem with us, I Why does anybody ever have a problem with us?
2: Oh We're just we we're do? not hurting. We're just expressing our ideas, like, guys. Great
1: people. we're trying to do is be
2: Alex best. To say, we just yeah. want to
1: be best. Hashtag.
2: <laughs> you just want to. What are you gonna do? Ali, what are you gonna do when the Trump administration is? Over? I don't gonna, know.
1: I am d- dreading it. I've been watching these videos of Trump and him. You know he's becoming even more and more unhinged now. It's yeah. so entertaining. I don't know what I'm gonna do.
2: Oh, so you gonna. I'm actually it. Gonna, gonna, miss gonna, gonna, gonna miss it? it. I'm gonna
1: miss All
0: right. it. All
2: right, guys. Be best.
0: Bye. Be best. The secular jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends. Write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions. Or head over to secularjihadist.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you.